All right, I'll be I'll I'll I'll, I'll be more of a host on this one. It's okay, no, it's okay. Uh, no. I didn't have much to say. Hello, welcome to Hattrick. I'm Jordan Deller Coltman. I am joined, as always, by my brother Braden Deller Coltman, and we have a very special guest all the way from chilly Winnipeg. Ray Strone is with us. Ray is a diehard everything Winnipeg. He's a Jets fan. He's a Blue Bombers fan. I'm sure there's half a dozen other Winnipeg sports organizations I don't even know about that he's a fan of. He's an act, he's an artist. He's a, he's just he's one of those guys that Braden has been telling me about wanting to get on this pod for so long. We're so excited to have you. Welcome to the show, Ray. How you doing? I'm doing very good. That was a great intro. That's a lot to live up to, brother. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Yeah, Braden, how are you feeling this week? It's always uh, it's always great when you can find people just as enthusiastic about uh, sports as you are, namely uh, team enthusiasm. Ray is a diehard Winnipeg Jets fan, diehard Bombers fan. He is a Steelers fan. I don't know, maybe he can let us know where that came from. But uh, yeah, for sure, <laughs> I'm excited to have Ray here. He's going to give us some really good insight. All right, this should be fun. We got three good topics. Here we go. Here's topic one. Okay, so obviously we got Ray here. We couldn't we couldn't pass up a chance to have a, an actual Jets fan. I've never personally met a, a living, breathing Jets fan. In the, no, I'm kidding. No, I have a lot of people who are like the old school Jet fans. You know, like people in my life who yeah. who are from Manitoba or from the prairies. They 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 those old Howard Chuck Jets, and then of course their hearts were broken. The team went to the desert, and they were left with nothing, nothing in the winter months. Yeah. And now they've come home. The Atlanta Thrashers became the Jets. Like what? It was six or seven years ago. Now it feels like a long yeah. time. Though. Ten, like, ten, got the, this is ten, ten years ten already. Season we're celebrating. Yeah. Fantastic. So X. here's the thing. They're second in the North. <laughs> this weird North division. They're second. They're chasing the, the the Leafs, and they're being nipped at at the heels by those Oilers. I think they're a point away. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a fun stretch down the stretch here. We talked uh, uh, on our trade special a couple weeks ago about whether or not they'd done enough. Uh, so we got a guy. Here he is, Ray. What do you think? Where? How are your Jets doing? You know, the, the, the optics and the standings, they look great. You know, second place isn't bad behind a very strong Leafs team. Uh, that, like that roster is rock solid. Uh, and, and Edmonton, you know, they're sandwiched between a high-scoring, very fast team that can play many different styles. Uh, so we're looking good, but I don't know. You know, to be honest, I'm not confident going into these playoffs. I'm not confident uh, going into a seven-game series with either Toronto or Edmonton, uh, especially yeah. with what happened last night. I have no idea. Uh, to be honest, this is a fan thing. No idea why they're not running uh, Stasny as a center. They should be running those four centers, Shifley, uh, Dubois, Stasny, and Lowry, and really spreading out that skill uh, rather than playing three lines and having a shutdown line like they're playing 1980s hockey, which is absolutely puzzling to me. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. Uh, well, speaking Jackson, of 19- I absolutely support them and they're talented, but totally. uh, playoff time, I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little weary, to be honest. So, so speaking of 1980s, obviously, you know, great – Great battles, the Oilers and the Jets back in those days, Harachuk's Jets and the and and uh, uh, Gretzky's Oilers. But you know the big thing both those teams always had was a guy in the back that could really just like shut it down. You had goaltending. I mean, you got a guy there who's a genuine number one. Is he really the piece that if he can get hot, the Jets have a chance? That, that's what it looks like from the outside. He is one of those goalies where if he stands on his head uh, throughout the playoffs, and he possibly can without a doubt, then we do have a good chance of advancing. If he doesn't, we're in a bit of trouble. Uh, <laughs> our defense has been you know, decimated over the past two, three years. Uh, we really don't have a defense that can push the puck. So that really forces those centers to play responsibly defensive-wise uh, and takes a bit of bite out of the line. So 
Um, yeah, Hellebuck definitely has to have uh, a Con Smythe playoffs for the Jets to go deep, uh, if not win uh, everything. Jordy Ben, they added at the trade deadline. Was that was that enough? Clearly, you've already said that you're a little bit hesitant going down the stretch. What what were you? What were your expectations? Trade deadline. Uh, you know, it, my expectations are were for uh, Shovel Day off to sit on his hands, and, and he did. Uh, Jamie Ben, uh, maybe a few years ago, I'd have been excited about that uh, addition, but right now he's almost a depth player. Uh, uh, which going to the playoffs doesn't excite me at all. Again, uh, even if he wasn't a depth player, he's not one that can push the puck from the back, uh, which we are having struggles with. So I don't know about that move. I don't know about that move. There are so many different variables that go into making the decisions right now. The expansion draft coming mm-hmm. up, you've got a shortened season. You've got like my, my quickly, uh, tangentially, my fantasy team was decimated and it was basically because of all of the COVID uh, uh, shenanigans with, with coming in and out of the lineup. And it, there's, I mean, there's just so much that, uh, that they had to consider. Right. So mm-hmm. um, with Shovel Day off not making a move there, I think that that, you know, that's part of, part of just the, the year that is. So here's the question, you know, the, you, you you get the sense in other parts of this country, uh, certainly in the in the in the let's call them like the 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 big market parts of this country, right? The the Toronto's and the Vancouver's, the places where you know there's just so much additional saturation. The Jets and the even sometimes the Oilers and the Flames they get a little bit buried, but the Jets especially they're sort of like the Ottawa Senators in the sense that diehard fans, but they they get passed over so often because you've got these big market teams with these big f- fan bases. In Winnipeg, though, like the Jets have to be on like the number one topic going around at this time of year, right? Like th- th- live Always. and breathe it, right? Exactly. You know, that, that white wave isn't a joke come playoff time. Uh, Winnipeg fans are passionate. You know, this with a CR size, we, there should be no way we could have had a white wave, uh, but we did. And uh, it speaks to the passion of the fans. You know, it is from game one to the end, but it really ramps up. Uh, in the last, you know, home stretch of the season going into the playoffs, you know, you re- it's front page, uh, every little move, every loss, every win, uh, it's there, every injury, uh, and you can't really hear anything else, because uh, especially during COVID, there ain't nothing else going on in Winnipeg, to be honest with you. <laughs> so it's front page, middle page, and back page news right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the thing, right? I guess we can all... We've all seen how this season's Braden mentioned it. We've all seen how the season goes. You get in there, we don't know what's gonna look like. We don't know what team's gonna stay stay healthy. And I don't just mean injuries. You don't know how a playoff series is gonna go. But if you had to pick right yeah. now, let's say, you know, I don't know if you're a betting person, but if you had to pick, who do you want to play in round one? Would you rather play the Oilers or would you rather fall back and play those Leafs? Or maybe get ahead of them and play Montreal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I I'd honestly I, in a seven-game series, I go Edmonton. I think we can uh, out-physical them if we go seven games. Uh, my, my issue would be uh, if Edmonton gets out in front, two, three-goal leads, we don't have the horses. or are not playing the lines right now that allow them to claw back like we saw last night when they are down 3-1. And we all knew here in Jets Nation that, that was game over, you know, because we don't have those lines and Paul Maurice doesn't, want, doesn't seem to want to, you know, mix it up and, put out four lines that can score right now. So uh, let's, let's try for Edmonton first round. Uh, Cause that's just a deep roster in Toronto. No hate against Edmonton. We have, we struggle against oh, Edmonton yeah. too. We can't contain Connor yeah. McDavid who can, but especially when we have pylons on defense. So 
Uh, well, I'll I tell you. Edmonton, I'll but... tell you. I think I think the Edmonton Oilers are feeling the same way. I think the Oilers would rather that match up than those Leafs too mm-hmm. right now. So it could be a real fun series. I think you know they yeah. match up really well in some ways. Like you said, there's some there's some disparity there depending on which way the the game gets going. But both teams they need good goaltending. Well, they got to have games those... down the year. Totally. Those games have been awesome between the two. The oh, two that teams. last game like yeah. was it Smith that was in net? Yeah. Yes. He got the shutout and he was strong. So. Yeah. Well, that would fun, be fun to see. We shall see soon. We're getting down to that part, final stretch here. Uh, that's topic one for this week. We'll leave it there. Hey, topic two this week is brought to us by Roma Pizza and Donaire. Look, we all know that the best thing about Edmonton is the many Donaire options. And I know if you're like me, it can be overwhelming and stressful trying to hunt down the best. Well, my friends, we have found it and it's time you did too. Roma Pizza and Donaire in Westbrook Aspen Gardens is Edmonton's best kept secret. There's nothing quite like piping hot meat getting shaved and served with a generous ratio of sweet sauce. And look, I know someone out there is saying, yeah, no, that's not really my thing. Well, hold your horses because there is more. Roma Pizza and Donaire not only serves Edmonton's best Donaire, but they also offer Roma's pizzas, dinner platters, chicken wings, chicken fingers, chicken nuggets, chicken tawook, salads, subs, burgers, baklava, coconut cake. And with summer right around the snow covered corner, they also have summer specials deep fried pickles and deep fried Oreos. But hey, don't take my word for it. Sometimes tasting is believing. To order, call them at 780-944-9696. That's 780-944-9696. They're open every day except Sunday from 11 to 11 and open till midnight Friday and Saturday. You can also follow them on Instagram at Roma Pizza Donaire. Okay, topic two this week. Um, it, it actually kind of comes back around to something we talked a lot about earlier in the year. We we spent a couple episodes talking about the uh, cancellation uh, of the Isopol Cup, the the women's uh, league that tried to get back in the bubble there in uh, in the states. It didn't work because they they got shut down by COVID. And we just talked about how unfortunate it was that women's hockey, just in a moment when you know the conversations about uh, gender equity and uh, in sport and and getting more attention to the sport, and we've seen the network start to pick up women's hockey and even just women's sports in general a lot more than they have in the past. There seems to be this groundswell of finally, you know, the the women athletes of of the world are getting attention outside of Olympic years where you know we've all watched women's hockey in the olympics and it's a hella entertaining we all you know we've all remember those Haley wickenheiser finals or you know the the women and and they're just the dominance of the americans and the canadians when they meet in the gold medal but we find ourselves again sitting here this week with another unfortunate case of uh a women's tournament being canceled and this time it's the biggest one it's the ihf women's world championship the event was scheduled to happen may 6th in Nova Scotia, unfortunately, uh, two days before the teams were set to come into the into the province to start their eight eight day isolation prior to being able to start the tournament, uh, it was canceled, just outright canceled. The provincial government and Hockey Canada, uh, obviously with the IHF, uh, decided it was not safe to do it. They felt like it was a, th- a threat to the sort of COVID security of the province and. I mean, there's a lot of politics and a lot of things that I'm sure that were a part of all of that, but it was canceled. And obviously for the women, it's devastating, right? You have to think about this is the biggest tournament of the year. It's their, you know, their Stanley Cup finals, uh, all those those teams that play all those years. And I guess the big question first is uh, why was there not another option? Why couldn't they take it somewhere? You know, the U18 tournament right now is happening in Texas for men. Uh, we saw the, the Christmas season world juniors happened those were safe tournaments the athletes made it out okay is there a gender problem here is this a is this a thing where the women's tournament just did not get the same kind of respect that the men's tournament did 
You know, some of the players felt that way. I'll quote a couple for you. Sarah Nurse from the Canadian team. She said, we've had conversations with Hockey Canada about the gender thing. It's hard to not see it through that lens. As a woman, seeing all these men's tournaments go on, seeing the boys, the World Juniors, they were able to pivot and posit one positive test, the team still got to play. That player was, you know, double standard. So Hillary Knight said, cancellation of the Women's World Tournament at the last minute this week was just another reminder that women's hockey continues to be treated as an afterthought. Let me be clear, the health and safety of the people in Nova Scotia is and must be the top priority, however, to cancel the critical tournament. Uh, for women's hockey so close to its start with some of the teams already en route. Uh, it just feels like another slap in the face. So very strong statements from these women. You have to acknowledge that, that you know they've been through a, a hell of a year when it comes to getting their sport out there. I guess I'll throw it to you guys with this. Um, when you heard about this or, or, or when you think about this, does it not just feel like we've been down this road before and we're kind of seeing the same thing, Braden? Yeah, it's exactly what you know, like <laughs> we just saw it at the NCAA tournament completely, you know, just neglected that aspect of the tournament. Um, you know, the, the fact that this is constantly happening in a sense that, you know, th they take some sort of responsibility after and acknowledge the, the wrongs that, that these organizations have done. But what's the action being taken? Where's the attempt? Where's the attention? Um, there's just no attention being paid to this. And, and it's, it's got to stop. Like they, they, they have to take charge. The fact that they can't have just another tournament, like you said, in a bubble, which all of these other tournaments have been successful in the UFC just had 15,000 people in their full capacity event this last weekend. It's crazy that they can't just, that, that, that they can't figure out another way here. Yeah. Ray, what do you think? Yeah. I don't see any reason why there was a contingency plan. Uh, don't get me wrong. I totally understand. Uh, there is a spike currently going on. We're in the midst of a third spike. So I understand. No, actually, I don't understand the last second decision. I don't understand why there wasn't a plan B, uh, especially when you, like you mentioned, the men's uh, tournament was, the location was changed because they did have that contingency plan. Yeah. And I believe the, the IWH guy, uh, HF guy was, uh, well, it wasn't financially viable to have a contingency plan. Well, that doesn't make sense at all. Uh, you know, you have a contingency plan for the men. How can you not have one for the women? Yeah, uh, it, it's pretty much straight up saying that we do not care about your tournament, that we will make a plan B for it uh, while, while we're willing to do it for the men. Yeah, no, totally. It does feel like, you know, we keep finding ourselves in these double standards, this, these sort of hypocritical situations where, again, the, these tournaments that are clearly larger generators of revenue. I mean, we have to accept that that is currently the reality of our world. The men's tournaments make a little bit more money. They make a lot more money in some cases simply because they've been given the platform to do that over the years. Uh, but that seems to be the only piece here. And we're not thinking about what kind of revenue opportunities are being missed for all of those women athletes. And more importantly, all of the next generation of women athletes who are looking at this yeah. and continuing to see their current heroes just taken out of out of the limelight every time they get a chance at the, at that space i mean it's so frustrating you know i think back to, i mentioned it off the top i think back to those you know the salt lake city olympics and how thrilling the women's tournament was in that in that olympics i mean there have been olympics when the women's tournament has been way more exciting and way more competitive than the men's and yes sure we've got a couple powerhouse countries and the americans and the and the and the, the canadians dominate it but that's also because those are the only countries that have given the resources to it guess what after those olympics other nations have started giving resources to women athletes because they get that attention this is important it's more important than just the hockey it's about 
what it says about us as countries, us as athletic bodies, and us as sports fans. Dude, I'm not going to sit here and say I've watched every game of women's hockey that's women women's hockey that's been played in the last seven months, but I can tell you I've watched a hell lot more this year than I've ever done in my life because I've been given not only the opportunity to by the broadcasters, but I have also felt uh, responsibility as a sports fan to do that because I have become aware of my own prejudice or, or maybe not even prejudice, but my own lack of of engagement that was already there. Right? I watch what's convenient to me. I can I can admit that you know. But I want to support those those athletes because I can recognize it for them. I mean, the men make when they get to prof- the professional level, they make millions of dollars. And sure, not every guy is ever going to you know be a Connor McDavid or an Aston, Austin Matthews or whomever. But those guys are given the keys to the cities that they play in, and they become heroes. We talked about the Jets thirty seconds ago, right? Those guys are royalty. These women work sometimes two, three other part-time jobs so that they still have enough time in their day to go to practice. They don't get paid for their equipment sponsorship deals. They don't get paid for their travel in many cases. And now they're just trying to figure out where the hell they're even going to play. Come on. Yeah. It's a disgrace. hundred percent. So I guess the question is this, Braden, where do we go from here? What, 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 what is the remedy? Is there a remedy other than just accepting, like Ray said, we need contingency plans here, please, people? How many tournaments do you have to have canceled to figure out you need a fucking backup plan? Uh, the, the people, yeah, well, the people at the head, which seem to be like media, I guess. Like, uh, it's just, it's frustrating. It's a bang on the head every single time you have to think about the fact that just simply having a tournament is is an important piece of you know of growth especially for something that we continuously recognize as being underrepresented where has this worked well you know where it's freaking worked it's worked in the WNBA. okay that is the only women's league i can think of right now who has found their brand right in, in north america they have really figured out how to make it work both financially and and and, and as an organization there is just that they're the best run women's sports league right now in North America outside of maybe the NCAA and they have their own problems. We all know that, but the WNBA succeeds because they have attached themselves to the NBA. And more importantly, the NBA has attached themselves to them, right? The men's league led by almost entirely men (laughs) has figured out this is a broad, a product and a brand that if we associate ourselves with is valuable to the larger NBA brand. And it's, it enriches the sport in general. Where is the NHL? That's my question. Where is the NHL? Yeah, it's on its, yeah, Especially yeah. in Canada. Why isn't there a women's Jets team? Why isn't there a women's Canucks team? Why isn't there a women's Oilers teams? Why aren't those brands attaching themselves to these organizations, using the infrastructure they already have? I know that the finances in the NBA and the NHL are completely different. I get that. But the finances of that hockey and basketball are also yeah, completely different. Yeah. We don't need a multi-billion dollar league. We just need these women to have a, a chance. Yeah. Well, what the NBA is doing is they are literally saying we, especially at the beginning of the venture, they're saying we are willing to lose money to promote inclusivity and diversity and equality. Yeah. And I can't see any of those other sport leagues doing that, yeah. uh, to yeah. be honest with you. Uh, the NHL yeah. can say, oh, our profit margins are small compared to the other big three, whatever. Well, I guess we haven't solved it, but at least we've, we've maybe we've done our part to continue the conversation. Hopefully it keeps happening because, again, you know, that, that if we if we let the conversation go, uh, maybe nothing happens. We're going to get to a lot more about that in a second. This is topic two. We'll leave it there for now. 
Do you or someone you know own a small business? Are you looking to grow or to reach new customers? Hey, why not let us help? Hattrick is looking for unique brands, businesses, and products to advertise on our show. You can find out how we can help spread the word about your business by contacting us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Okay, topic two leads us to topic three. Um, Braden mentioned when we we got Ray on the show that you know he had seen Ray had posted some things about politics and sports, and we, we all three of us have been active, engaging on social media at different times with people. And you just, I mean, it's unreal how we seem to find ourselves constantly in these situations again and again and again, where uh, whether it's you know traditional politics about you know where people. Um, are in, in, in on the political spectrum or it's about specific events and we've seen how sports throughout history has always um found itself as a part of that politics and sports have always had some form of of connectivity because throughout history athletes have often used their platforms to express things um not always uh, things that the entire country was ready to hear yet colin kaepernick uh but look how ahead of his time Colin Kaepernick was when you fast forward only a couple years and we see the response to the murder of George Floyd. And we see how after the verdict this last week of Derek Chauvin for the murder of George Floyd, there has been an unprecedented response on social media. Every single North American sports team had a statement. They didn't have to do that. They didn't, they didn't, they weren't forced to do that by the league. They chose to do that. Why? Because we're starting to see that these teams are recognizing that their platforms are very big. Here's the question. When you are faced with people who respond um, in a negative way to athletes taking a political stance, um, how do you feel? Like, what, where are we here? Does politics and sports fit together? And how, if it does, uh, how, do, how do we make it better? Right? Politics definitely has a place of sport. Uh, especially in America. Braden mentioned that, uh, you know, I go off on my little rants on Facebook. It's my little cathartic release uh, with the frustration socially in the world. But if you're going to have a sporting event where you play the national anthem and you expect people to stand for it, that's a political statement in itself right there. Taking a kneel to exhibit or to show your support of equality, uh, racial equality in America is an action of human rights. So I think we do have to clearly define what's political and what's human rights because human rights should not ever be lumped into something as politicized mm. if you're a decent human being uh it's something that you should support, support no matter what no matter what political party or affiliation that you're a part of so i think that's a very uh important distinction to make but in regards to history in sports uh or political and politics in sports uh, historically, it's been there forever, going back to the Olympics and at the beginning of the 1900s and Sweden saying, screw you, I'm not going to go to your opening ceremonies because you didn't display my flag. So there's a history of it. Uh, the thing in America is when you're exposing something very hurtful to a lot of people who control the system, there's going to be a lot of pushback to that. Uh, going on these Facebook posts, there's usually one type of person who's against these political um, statements. It's not a lot of colored people, to, to be honest with you. And the people who are using the media to make statements against it are usually rich white people. 
so I think there, uh, that in itself explains a lot. Sure, they don't want to see politics and sports when it, when they feel attacked, when they feel that their way of life is being attacked. But when it's a show like the national anthem that supports their way of life, their Americana, they have no issues with it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as a black man, it's clear to me where their interests are and who they want to shut up and what messages they want uh, shut down. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it's self that selfishness too, right? Yeah. Um, you know, like the, it, it's about what, what impacts me rather than what you were talking about, which is this, this, this isn't about you or me or, or mm-hmm. anything other than the fact that this is a simple human right. So if there's an issue here, then it's beyond everything about the sport, about, you know, you and what you're going on, you know, what's, what's going on with you. But it seems like it, it, this kind of thing keeps happening when somebody feels like their, their sport is being threatened or their, their, their thing that they, you know, that they attach to. And- but isn't that the very point? I mean, isn't that why it works? Because the idea that we, we, we have, we've, we've allowed these sports to become so, so much a part of our identities as communities that they have, you know, we are, we have, we have built them up to be these, these, these really important things in our life when that's disrupted uh that's good protest in my opinion that's where that's why it works i mean that's the whole point of it yeah. if if we're talking about that uh instead of whatever the score was uh then it's worked that's that that's that, that's the whole point and like like ray said i think this is true uh it, it is really about which which lens through which you you look at this because you're right the anthem is a political act um just by the very nature of what it means why why we have a a national anthem in the first place um so to have it at the beginning of the game whether you want to trace the actual history of it being back to the fact that the military (laughs) promoted it or not the the very act that it's there as a tradition um is built upon two things one the idea of a community uh taking part in a collective act but that collective act is is an act of of, of politics so that when it's when that's the piece of it but even beyond the anthem itself all forms of protest we've seen you know we saw this with with blm and, and the nba restart and how the league did uh, i certainly think a, a, an admirable job of trying to um give their athletes some some a, some a bit more space than they had in the past to express themselves and communicate but i think you're right when these large uh media companies and these large sports organizations which are really media and entertainment companies are run by white people, uh, predominantly white, rich men. You're right. It's going to be uh, their privilege through which they see the problem. Um, and unfortunately, I think we we have fallen too often too far into the trenches of that instead of listening to each other and figuring out what's really going on. We talked a little bit recently about how the NHLs dealt with this. For you in Winnipeg, uh, Ray, what is I mean? does the nhl need to do more i mean we don't have a lot of uh players of color when you consider the number of players in the league but i mean they're more than we've ever had before um is the league is the nhl empowering their players enough to to to, to share what they think uh sure they're they are to a certain extent i guess they are um i think it's a larger problem than those supporting their current players i think it's a big system systematic issue with the nhl and hockey canada uh, to, to bring it closer to home. Uh, if we look at the, 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 um, if we look at amateur hockey in Canada, it still, um, reeks of racism, uh, yeah. especially against the indigenous people, indigenous people in our country. 
Um, so until the NHL really wants to tackle that and get the grassroots, uh, it very much to me is a, yeah, we support our players, but it's because it's, uh, it's an optic thing rather than something that we're passionate about. It seems like the NHL does bare minimum and they do the bare minimum because a lot of their players are white and because a lot of their audience is white. Okay, There's no yeah. real push uh, like the NBA and the NFL get from their fan base about race issues. These players have a platform. They, it, that's a fact. And I think they have the responsibility to be able to use it to um, affect um, their perspectives and their view on things. You know, there's so much attention drawn to how many fans uh, care and cheer for these people. And they have to be able to show who they really are, too. It can't just be behind these, um, you know, the media of the business. Uh, they're not just, you know, pawns in the business. They, they have... They have voices, and they should be. Uh, they should be. They should be behind. Like I'm surprised that we haven't seen more um, people coming out, uh, players coming out, saying that this is unacceptable with the women's uh, tournament being canceled. But I think uh, when when it comes to when it comes to things like uh, change, uh, you know, it, it takes those kinds of voices for the fans to get behind it and to be yeah. able to listen. Like, you know, five year. I don't know. Like a ten year old's favorite player is say Sidney Crosby and Sidney comes out saying that, you know, this is unacceptable. That kid's going to go, okay. The guy I look up to says that this is not okay. That's what I, you know, like it's that kind of momentum and, and uh, going back to the women's tournament, just the fact that there's going to be a, a, a whole bunch of uh, young uh, female athletes watching this, uh, not getting an opportunity to watch, watch these players uh, play. And uh, it just already knowing how much of an impact that has on a, on a player is, uh, at a young age is, is uh, it's huge. So it's, uh, I, I'm just, yeah, it's frustrating. It's frustrating when you see that there is an opportunity to be able to voice uh, an opinion and, and, uh, and, and there isn't anything, you know? Yeah. And, and Ray, you said this, you said this a few minutes ago though, that, you know, yes, there's, there's, it's important players or athletes say things or speak up for it and obviously it's very powerful when they do it but isn't this also part of the same kind of systemic problems we see in other parts of society where as long as the uh the way the money flows from the top down uh is the way it is athletes are always going to be put in a very uncomfortable position where they have to make decisions about whether or not they want to speak up for things because they're afraid of their losing their jobs or being i mean again colin kaepernick does not have a job in the nfl that yes. has to be Ridiculous. remembered every single day. Roger Goodell can go out there all he wants and have these kind of half-hearted, far-too-late apologies, if you can call it yeah. that. But the truth is, it cost him his job. It cost him his, his career as an athlete, his know, as a starting yeah. quarterback in the NFL, a Super Bowl-appearing quarterback. Was he the greatest quarterback of all time? No, he was never going to be that. But he probably probably had another 10 years on him as an athlete. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And he lost that. So. How does that, I mean, like you said, Braden, yeah, it's important when athletes step up, but if that's the ramifications, I'm, you know, obviously a lot of them are, are keeping their mouths shut. I remember watching an interview with Ethan Bear a few years ago where there was a conversation, they were asking him about racism and you could almost see how uncomfortable he was with the question. Not because I think he personally was uncomfortable with the question. He'd probably been asked or thought this, the, he probably knew what the answer he was, he wanted to say was, but he even acknowledged, you know, I'm a younger player and I'm not sure yet it's a, that he was admitting he was afraid to say something that that's wrong right i mean that's where the problem is right am i wrong no you're 100 correct 
Uh, and it, like we Braden said, it does depend on allyship. Yeah. You know, because black pair, black players will step up and say say their piece, but people get sick of the message. Right. Sorry to say, but that's the truth. That's the absolute wow. truth of it. Uh, that's why Colin Kaepernick went down. People got sick of the message. He wasn't of huge value to team owners, and he seemed more of a liability financially to team owners, so he doesn't have a job. And I get it. Yeah, it's a risk, I guess, if you want to put your neck out there, but if you truly believe it's right, then you believe it's right and you say something. Mm-hmm. Black people, black athletes have been silenced for a long time because they were scared of losing their jobs. <laughs> I'm sorry to say. Uh, no, no, I'm not sorry to say. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so allyship is absolutely important, important in these movements. Yeah. And I, don't, don't look at this as me saying, oh, the, the, you know, the, the movement is dependent on white people, but a necessary part of it is the allyship and bringing other people in. Because if you don't hear from someone that you identify with, it's not going to ring as true. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. And there, and there's opportunity for fans to be able to do that too, to be able to say that this, you know, I, I paid this organization to give me entertainment and provide, you know, a, a service here. And if, and, and if they're doing wrong, then, then they need to be held accountable. You, you know, it's, yeah, it's just cyclical right now. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The hope, I guess, the the hope is that we are starting to see maybe the teeniest little cracks in the in those some of those foundations. We obviously in the last year have seen more organizations or more leagues have name changes. Uh, we talked about Edmonton a few weeks ago. That that I mean, how long did that take? And it oh, starts. It, it only happened because there was enough pressure, and that's yeah, the thing. There's no way it would have continuing happened. Continuing pressure, yeah. but pressure yeah. no. in mass on mass is is the key. Yeah, if the Redskins didn't do it, it probably wouldn't happen. And the Redskins wouldn't have done it if FedEx didn't say they're pulling their money out. That's right. Yeah. Well, and we're even seeing that now when you look at the voter suppression in Georgia. You Until the corporations all of a sudden say things, people go, what? But, again, where were those corporations when the law was being drawn up? Right. Where was FedEx a decade ago? Where was, you know, that's what I'm saying. It, uh, that's the unfortunate part about it, right? And I get that, you know, as a white man, I could admit my privilege. I could acknowledge my privilege. It's hard for a lot of white people to do that because in doing so, you have to tear down the myths about who you are as a people and about what our society is, you know, and, and sports teams, uh, sports organizations have built a hell of a lot of myths, <laughs> right? There, that, that there, is a, there is a narrative there. And sometimes it's hard to accept that the narrative we, we have invested our energy in uh, has some problems with it <laughs> and that we are, we, we, we've buried those problems, right? We talked about it with the women's thing. It's the same thing. Money oh, yeah. uh, and, 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 and all of those things uh, make you make a lot of decisions for you. But the minute that you recognize that the narrative you believe in is broken or wrong or complete bullshit. You got to start questioning that. Yeah. When it questions your identity, it definitely gets, uh, it gets scary. Yeah, for sure. Well, I got to say, uh, I, I, I enjoyed this conversation. I enjoyed all three topics today. I want to thank you, Ray, for joining us. It was a hell of a lot of fun. I don't know, uh, how excited I am to play the jets, but I know this, if we play the jets, I know it's going to be a lot of fun. I do know that. It will be. I'll be on the edge of my seat for every game. And I, I do think it, it'd be one of those series that goes to six or seven. 
Total. Hopefully the the Jets don't lose in seven in overtime like our Philadelphia Flyers team did uh, back two years oh, ago. Oh my god! So, so Ray and I were on contract uh, two years ago doing a gig, and uh, you know, naturally you set up a, a season on EA, you get some <laughs> get some games going, and we got well, Ray, we got to like game six, game seven. It was crazy. Can, can you was, describe the emotion you felt? Oh and over time, I've never fell to the ground playing a video game like that. I fell to the ground in, in, in disappointment losing that playoff series. Because weren't we down in the playoff series? Yeah, we were, we were like, down. We came, we came back. We made some nice line adjustments. Overtime. And I like, yeah, we just fell. What I is think this, we like NHL 19, NHL 18? What are we talking <laughs> about here? Yeah, 20, 2018. Yeah, um, I've never been so invested in a season like that. And, oh and the fall to God. the ground, uh, it, was, it was heartbreaking. It still hurts. It still hurts. Wow. Well, hopefully, hopefully that pain can be made up with some some wins from the Jets. And if the CFL ever comes back, the Blue Bombers. Uh, thank you, Ray, for joining us. Thank you, Braden. It's always fun. Uh, and I, I will we'll be back next week with another dish to hat trick. Thank you guys both very much. That's hat trick. Patrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It's produced every week by Jordan Dyler Coltman and Braden Dyler Coltman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. That was fun. Thanks, guys. <laughs> that was great, though. Yeah, right on. Thanks we'll for have having to have me. You, we will have you back. There's ever yeah, something you're like, I really want to, I really have something I got to yeah. get off my chest. Let us know. Just send us a message. We'll be like, hey, we'll have you on and you can just give us your what for. Yeah.